I'm Lisa Hyde, and welcome to the Confidence Crown Podcast. I believe one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is freedom. It all starts with your journey into self-belief and creating the confidence to live your life with abundance. Ladies, it's time to earn and own your crown and be the yes queen you are destined to be. Together, let's make it rain. Welcome back, babes. I'm super excited about this season's lineup of amazing, powerful, and ultra-badass women who are examples for all of us on how we can get it done. Well, welcome back, ladies. Today, I have an amazing guest with us. Um, Karen Desort is going to be here to help us learn the ins and outs of protecting ourselves online because she is a business attorney. So for those of you who've been following along and know my trials and tribulations with identity theft, I thought Karen would be a perfect addition to the podcast to continue in our safety mode here and how we can protect ourselves and make sure that we are conducting business the right way. So Karen, please jump on in and introduce yourself. I'd love everyone to hear more about what you do and where you're from. And what's actually really cool, guys, Karen is another person from a networking group that um, we're in together. And actually, we just discovered we went to the same college. So, woo! All right. Um, this is like networking at the oomph degree. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. How are you guys? I'm really excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, My name is Karen. I run a small boutique law firm called Not Your Father's Lawyer, which, you know, people get a kick out of except... Awesome name. Not not unsurprisingly, my own father's lawyer doesn't think it's funny. Uh, (laughs) He wasn't the, uh, he wasn't the, the reason for the name, but I worked in a traditional law firm, you know, for about five years out of law school and just saw that kind of old school legal model, you know, really high billable hours working with, you know, we, I was a, at a boutique law firm. So we worked primarily with small and mid-sized businesses. And even though we were what was considered affordable, you know, comparatively, it's still really out of reach for a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses. And hearing their experiences and seeing how they chose not to work with a lawyer because of that fear of I'm going to get a bill that I can't pay or I can't afford it. I'm not even going to look for it. That I decided when back in 2014 to go out on my own and pursue those kind of clients that I really felt deserved high quality legal work and you know didn't need to pay in this traditional model. There's a lot of opportunity to provide good quality legal services for businesses that don't need to, you know, you don't need to charge so much for it. And a lot of appreciated because I, (laughs) I have expensive attorneys and it's, it's rough. It is rough. Like I'm always like, okay, should I email or call? I'm going to (laughs) email. Right. (laughs) It's going to cost me less than six minutes of their time. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, part of it, the the main reason was exactly that in service of these clients that I really wanted to support, that there was this niche that really needed, it's a market that really needed to be filled, but didn't really exist. Kind of legal zoom and those types of companies are out there trying to change the legal game, but they're not actually lawyers. It's just kind of algorithms that fill in documents. So when you have when you know what you want, LegalZoom is a really great and affordable way to find things. But when you need a lawyer, if you go on LegalZoom and you want to 
you know, have a contract made, but then you start to have questions, what they're going to do is connect you with a lawyer who's a stranger. Right. And so sometimes I refer to my services as LegalZoom Plus because it is kind of that flat fee version, but you get a lawyer, you get to answer questions. And, you know, sometimes I get it right where, you know, I've priced myself correctly. And sometimes you have a client who has lots of questions and you spend a lot of time. But to me, at the end of the day, when they feel confident, when they can protect their business, then I've done it right. And, you know, that's what I'm out there doing. No, absolutely. And, you know, there are times when we have a lot of questions. I mean, yes, we have the world of YouTube and Google now where we can check everything and, um, you know, hopefully come to you already with a list of questions to kind of narrow things down. But I mean, as someone who's had um, IP issues because of properties that I've owned and, and it, things continue. And what was really interesting is I had a lawsuit that was actually at a state. We're both here in Los Angeles. Thank God my attorney actually can practice in New York as well, because that would have required a whole other set of attorneys. And so there are lots of questions and every case and every issue is different. Um, so it is awesome to have you on speed dial basically to know that there is somebody behind the forms because like I was just updating a DBA and, um, I was like, I hope I don't have to call him. I don't have to call him on this one. This one I can do, <laughs> but I was like, but the next step, which is actually, I'm going to ask you this question since we've got you on here, um, is, Things like your websites. I think people don't realize we're such um, a virtual world now and we all have websites and we have e-commerces and these businesses, but the terms and privacy buttons at the bottom, they're there for a reason. And they're not only to protect you and your clients, but like vice versa. So if you've set up those terms and privacy issues in the correct manner, you're protected from someone coming after you. And if there's a question about someone, you know, maybe wanting a refund or not liking the course that they've purchased or something, you also have that available to show them like, well, you, you agreed to this. Exactly. So so speaking of, um, (laughs) I am about to launch a coaching program, which required a new, I'll call it a landing page. Um, So it'll be an offshoot from my regular website. And I realized, oh, those terms and privacy buttons are down there again. So does any of it carry over from the main page or do I need to have specific terms and privacy set because this is where the course will be launched from? Right. So the short answer is you definitely need specific terms and privacy clauses that relate to the coaching program. You know, the type of information you're collecting from them. If there's a lot of coaching programs have like kind of mastermind communities. So if Mm -hmm. there's user-generated content... It all has to be included in that. If it's a website that somebody can get to completely separately from your main site, then it probably is just going to have its own terms and conditions and its own privacy policy. If it's just another page on your main website, it can be connected. But it, what, if, it's this, if it's the latter, what it should do is include all those new pieces that you need. You would just update your existing terms and your existing privacy policy to make sure that you're you know, uh, covered for the new product and service that you're offering. Excellent. So um, when we're done with this (laughs) recording, (laughs) I'll be um, asking you some more questions, Karen. I believe I'm going to have some work for you. Um, So tell me, what's a typical day for you and what, how are you helping people? What, What are you seeing as like the big need right now for 
I'm going to say online entrepreneurs, or do you think there's even a, a, a tighter niche that you're working with? No, I think uh, online, I mean, I work with online and quote unquote offline businesses. Everybody's online today, but I have kind of a mix of entrepreneurs who are like home-based or online-based businesses exclusively. And then I have, you know, small and mid-sized businesses that might have a brick and mortar storefront. They might be a little bit larger scale where they have, you know, employees in an office. So it really runs the gamut, but I would say about 70% of my clients are those what I call kind of at home entrepreneurs that are running their, you know, their full business. And some of them, it's kind of a side hustle that maybe they're a stay at home mom, but they run a business and some of them are running multi-million dollar businesses. So I think that's, what's so cool about, you know, technology today is that you can do any and all of that from home. And the most common thing that I see, regardless of the size of the business is, people kind of forget that when it's online, it's still subject to a lot of rules and regulations and laws. And it's so easy to set up a business online. You know, you can get free website or a very cheap website and you're up and running, but people forget that a lot of states and counties require business licenses and Mm -hmm. special permits. If you're selling any specific products, you know, people who make uh, food-based products from home have to look into the health code there. And so really just helping entrepreneurs learn the kind of lead up to operating their business and also not being afraid to go back and fix what they've done in the past. Because just because you haven't been doing it right, doesn't mean you can't change course and kind of fill in the gaps backwards. You're a business navigator. (laughs) Sure. I like that. that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it is really important. Again, I think people don't realize you're right. There are even within the U S there are different laws than there are, um, in Europe. And, and if your products are being sold outside of the U S or if it, if you're in Europe and they're coming, there are different rules and regulations and you don't want to get in trouble or get fined. It is better to go through all these steps with Karen in the beginning, um, make sure that you are set up properly. And so that you can truly, you know, produce and go forward with your business instead of being stuck in some kind of, um, legal hell, which, which again, I've experienced on a business outside of this one, um, (laughs) which can be really frustrating and not only a time suck, but a huge financial suck. It's definitely better to get the help in advance. You're going to pay less (laughs) because she's not going to be fixing things. She's going to be just like making sure you're set up correctly. It's definitely to your advantage. Um, I'm curious, because you come from the corporate world, what gave you the confidence to branch out on your own? What made you want to work from home? So it's kind of funny, actually. I'm a child of entrepreneurs and I never thought I would be my own business owner. I am a lot of, you know, you hear from a lot of entrepreneurs. I hear from a lot of my clients. They were kind of that, like, I don't, I don't belong in the nine to five. I can't work for somebody else. I am a truly excellent employee. I (laughs) am so good. I'll give, you know, I'll do what is asked of me. I'll take more responsibility. You know, I'm not like a, this is my box and I'll do everything. I'm a team player. So I really thought that I was going to love doing that forever. And uh, two major factors were at play. One was that kind of nagging feeling that the legal industry is just 
lagging behind. It's, I didn't, I wanted to be at the forefront, not playing catch up and, you know, seeing this old model that, especially at my firm, just refused to change and consider a better way. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, but my law firm was a very legitimate small boutique firm and they didn't have a website when I joined the firm. And when I told him, my, our managing partner, I said, I needed, you know, we need to put a website up. And he said, people don't Google for lawyers. And I said, <laughs> yes, they I do. Mean, first of all, they do. <laughs> but second of all, and this was the way I explained it. If I asked a friend for a referral for a business lawyer and they said, oh, you know, John Doe and company is a great law firm. What's the first thing you do? You Google them. And if they don't exist online, they don't seem legitimate. So I actually built the whole online presence for this firm. I built the website. I had created a LinkedIn page. I created a Twitter account. I did, I mean, it it was like Instagram and stuff, but I, Twitter was like the thing then, but I did all of that. And I started a newsletter for existing clients and it was just twice a month. We sent out, you know, some legal news and business grew by 30% over six months. Damn. And the funniest part is the managing partner wasn't like, oh, wow, this is a really great thing. I totally miss, you know, judged this. No, no. He was just like, okay, cool, whatever. And that was kind of that, oh, you know what? They're never going to get it. Nope. Never going to get it. And then as happens to many women, the real catalyst for me was when my daughter was born. I was the only female attorney in this firm. We had a really funny experience. Like I went above and beyond to show them my commitment. And then I came back and I'm just like trying to keep a human alive and figure out the whole like pumping thing. And they were like, we really want to get you on partner track and we want to increase your billables. And I was like, I'm, I, what? I just came back from... Right. You're like, I can barely keep my eyes open. I'm what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. So when my daughter was one, I decided to move into a, cor- a corporate scenario, not a, I didn't leave the corporate world, but I left at the law firm world thinking that it would be a little bit better work-life balance, which it certainly was. But the whole time I was building this kind of business on the side and ultimately I decided that, you know, now I had two kids, it was going to be better for our family life. And I was seeing that I could serve the client that I really wanted to serve. And when I was working for somebody else, I was never going to have that opportunity. So that is what ultimately made... So it was kind of funny. It was more necessity. I wasn't somebody that really sought out. And I actually saw going into business for myself as a form of failure for a long time because hmm. people were like, if Karen can do corporate America as a working mom, everybody can, like she's our girl. And then I thought like, I'm, I'm failing, you know, I felt like I was drowning. And so, I mean, today I don't feel that way. Just but the, t- I was gonna say just the opposite. <laughs> to, just today the opposite. I don't feel that way. But it, it took me a long time to see that that was, you know, active choice that I made in a way that I was going to do all the things I wanted to do, which is grow a business, be responsible for it, do as much as I want, be as ambitious as I want without, you know, this corporate world telling me how many hours I had to be at my chair or whether I'd be passed up for a, you know, promotion because I can't go to happy hour because I had to go home to my baby. And 
<laughs> so sorry. We have a very similar background. I worked as a talent agent and manager for 12 years. Yeah. Also family friendly. Not family friendly. Um, definitely, you know, old boys school and Absolutely. and yeah, you're I mean, I don't have the kid thing, but I I watched the female agents who would, you know, pause to have a child and it was like, what? Yeah. And then, you know, again, the expectations in the hour. I mean, I'm sure from when you started, you your track was to be a partner. You didn't think that you weren't going to be because why else would you get into corporate law if you weren't right. like, headed for that? Right. Um, and yet then there's that realization like, wait, there is more to life than that title. And I think it's hard for a lot of women. Like you said, you felt like you were a failure. In fact, you're the absolute opposite. You've actually shown that you have the skills to run your own business, run a successful business. You're still helping people, but you're doing it on your own time. So uh, it's actually, to me, even more impressive than being in the corporate structure (laughs) and being a partner where you know that you were literally giving every hour of the day to that office. And then your family life would have been in a whole other situation. And it's, not, it's never, it's never been a positive one. I've never seen it. No. I've never seen that one work right for, for women in particular. I feel really strongly about this as not just being a mom thing or even a parent thing that we've kind of went in corporate America, especially these kind of old boys clubs. We went mm. to this weird place where how many hours you work is like a badge of honor, how busy you are, how overwhelmed you are. And, you know, I was big, like, I should be able to leave at 4.45 to pick up my kid from daycare, but you should be able to leave at 4.45 to hit a yoga class. And it's just about work-life balance and it should be results-driven, not, you know, hours or or who's, you know, there when the boss leaves and... A lot but that of billable hour is scary when you're there because that that is all that they're they're checking. Like you said, you created yeah. the website. You were actually bringing in more income for them, but they couldn't calculate it in that billable hour part. And so, yeah, it's insane. Exactly. So, exactly. shame on them. <laughs> they're lost. <laughs> Total loss on their part. Um, I think it's really cool, though. I mean, I'm, and I'm proud of you because you have shown that you can transition. Um, you have an option. You have an entrepreneurial spirit about you, even though you didn't want to admit that to your parents. I bet your parents are very thrilled, though, that you uh, figured out this balance. Uh, yeah, I think uh, they were a little surprised, too, that I went this route because <laughs> I'm very risk averse, but it's all good. Absolutely. Um, what do you, what's a normal day for you? Like, what, what's a typical day? <laughs> Basically, how many hours are you working now a day versus life in the corporate world? I mean, I'm still working this probably the same amount. I'm probably putting in 40 to 50 hours a week, but it is over seven days and 24 hours a day instead of that eight to five, eight to five, eight to five. So, um, you do get to take the yoga class, right? So it's funny, but I used to get up for, um, five 30 Pilates three times a week. It was the only class that was offered. That's like close enough to home where I could go, I could come back and shower and get ready for work in time. But my husband travels like 60% of the year. So I have little kids, they're six and three. So it's not like I can leave them at home when I go off to, you know, Pilates in the morning. So I was paying for this membership that I wasn't using. And they didn't even have a class that was late enough for me to get to after work, like Mm. if I could get a sitter or something. So we got a Peloton because I needed (laughs) access to something at home where I could do it at any hour of the day. And the funny thing is now that I have, you know, over the last 
whatever amount of time since I've had the flexibility, I can work out at 5.30 if I wanted to, but I don't have to, which is so nice because it's very hard for me to get out of bed in the morning. So I usually will actually get up, we get ready, ready enough because I don't have to get full, you know, full corporate look. And then if my husband's in town, we kind of swap dropping the kids off because sometimes he'll have calls, sometimes I'll have calls. So, but by, you know, 7.30, the kids are at school. And then my morning is like checking the email, kind of making my plans for the day. And then usually between nine and 10, I'll actually work out because I have a lot of energy and then I get it out of the way because the longer in the day, the less likely I'm going to do it. And then I still try, and this is what I knew I was going to miss about the corporate world, which is I get a, a lot of energy from being around other people. So I knew it was going to be really lonely being at home. And the nice thing is when my husband is in town, he actually works from home right now. Oh, cool. But so we're not really like hanging out because we're both on calls or working the whole day, but just being like physically present next to somebody is really mm-hmm. nice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I'm, I'm sure eventually you'll... If not already, you might even have one, an assistant who can help with some of it. And you can start to delegate some of the, probably the, the paperwork part that isn't, requ- not the con- not the contractual part, but the right. other, like the billing stuff. And yes, I'm sure this you is can- a funny uh, entrepreneurial qualm I'm having about, you know, when and how to let go of things. Yes. <laughs> oh, welcome to my world. Yes. And then you do and you delegate and the person steals from you. It's awesome. <laughs> well, hopefully not. That's not the norm. No, no, it's not the norm. I'm just trying to make funny out yes. of something that was really horrible. The only thing you could do is laugh, right? <laughs> yes. Chuckling a lot. Chuckling a lot. <laughs> um, but I love it. I love it. So you've got time. You get, you're there for your kids. You're not struggling with that. I think it's a guilt that moms feel when they're not being able to be on and attentive. Um, so you can, I love that you also stretch your hours across the seven days, because again, that gives you time to work around probably naps and play dates and things where you can actually not feel like you, again, you're taking away time from them. So cheers to that as well. Yes. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, and I love that your husband is there a part-time. Um, that's great. So when he's yeah. in town, you share that office. That's really Absolutely. Nice. We try to go to lunch together or grab Aww. coffee in the morning. It's nice because we've kind of been ships passing in the night for the last few years. So it's nice to have that. Even like I said, just the physical presence next to each other is is a rarity. So it's very Nice. Absolutely. And I'm sure that's made everything stronger and better between you two because you're not so stressed anymore <laughs> and you guys can actually see each other. That's really nice. Definitely. Karen, do you have any special secrets that you think um, have added to your success? Is there maybe, I was asking about your schedule for the day, but is there like a practice? Is there something that you do on a daily basis that you think adds to your efficiency or productivity? Or is there a little secret you can give away? <laughs> I don't know if it's a secret, but I'm definitely hyper-organized. So on Sunday, sometime on Sunday, usually it's in the evenings, but sometimes if I have you know nothing going on and it's a Sunday afternoon and things are chill, then I'll do it then. But on Sundays, I always spend at least a half an hour kind of planning out my week. I'm a big checklist fan. Awesome. So whether I'm actually, i mostly digital, but I do my te- checklists on paper. I love the feeling of, it's, it's one of those mm-hmm. type A things, but I love yep. the feeling of checking it off. I'm the kind of person that will add to the list something I've already completed just to check it off. 
but then, but then daily, and this actually was kind of a new practice in the last few months daily, I will kind of hone a mini checklist for the day because what I found is that, you know, I have these ambitious goals on Sunday, but then what I see is like a 20% of a checklist completed on Thursday and then it's stressful. So instead I really break down into practical goals and then really I'm not I'm not a natural batch worker. I'm definitely a natural multitasker. Okay. And I started seeing how much the context switching was affecting my productivity. So I wouldn't say I'm a full-blown converted batch worker, but I'm definitely a hyper-focused checklister. Good, and then I kind of do one, one checklist item at a time. And that helps me get through it. And I also like to be really productive on you know Mondays and Tuesdays because mm-hmm. I will just fly through work if I have a really productive beginning of the week. Yep. But if it drags on, I find that my productivity just shoots down and down and down as the week goes on. So it's kind of a negative spiral. Understood. So those of you following along, so what she's calling batching, I call time blocking. Um, which I find to be, again, really productive. You're focusing on that one thing. And I like to take three projects for the day that I want to accomplish. Like you said, break it down. So you've got the whole week, but then you have to like break it down. Like each day I want to hit this, this, and this so that you can check it off the list. Because I too really, (laughs) really thrive from checking things off the list. It makes, again, the accomplishments, right? You want to make sure that you're acknowledging every step that you take because while it might not look like you've, climb the mountain yet, all those little steps add up. And so um, Karen just showed a ex- perfect example of that. If she's really productive um, in the first two days of the week, then the rest of her week is going to have that momentum and you're just going to sail through it. And that momentum is everything, everything. Yeah, totally. Um, we also talk about front loading the month in my, my other business. And so with the first 15 days of the month, it's like just push, 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 push. And then you know, everything else is going to be icing so that you can not just hit those goals, but maybe go to the next level. That absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Love it. (laughs) It's awesome. So, um, Karen, is there anything else you'd like to share? But I've got a couple more questions for you, but I'd love to just, if you've got something from your side that you wanted to get across to people about the importance of having a lawyer in your back pocket. Um, I just think not to be afraid. I'm not the only one, you know, I'd like to say I'm the best, but there are a lot of others like me. And it's really important that you find a lawyer that you trust. As you know, you know, I tell clients, I'm a transactional attorney. So all I do is draft documents, set up operations, you know, form entities. And if, and when God forbid a person gets sued, you know, I'm passing them off to a, a litigator, somebody who spends time in court it's very rare, right? Nine times out of 10, you're writing a contract that's literally never, nobody's going to pick up again. Nobody cares. But when it goes awry, it can be very, very costly for you. And it's so important. Your lawyer should be somebody that you feel like is a friend and you can, it's like a therapist, you know, you wouldn't just go to some therapist that you didn't click with. So it's important, I think, to find a lawyer that you trust that understands your business. That's willing to listen. A lawyer's not going to know every type of business, every industry. Totally, so somebody that's willing to listen and learn, and that's I think the most important piece about finding that. And I didn't ask you this before, and I hope I'm not stepped out of line here. Do you offer a consultation for people when you first meet them? I do. I always do. I mean, for me, I do free consultations because 
it doesn't usually take that much time to know what somebody wants. I actually send people on their way when they say like, oh, I want to form an entity, but I talk to them for 15 minutes. I'm like, you shouldn't really waste your money. You should, you can operate as a sole proprietor right now. And to me, that's still, you know, I just want to provide the value that's going to make the most sense for you and your business. I don't want you to spend, you know, don't throw good money after bad if it's not necessary. Absolutely. So those of you, like you're looking at S corps and you're looking at LLCs and C corps, um, there is a time and place for every one of them. Um, and just because you're starting a business does not mean you have to be one of those. You can have a DBA. So doing business as Mm -hmm. until there's a certain dollar threshold and then it's more tax advantage, um, advantageous, sorry, to you to then have the other things. But Remember this, if you don't know this already, those S-Corps, LLCs, all those things cost money and you actually have to have it um, not just bringing in money, but you have to be spending money through yeah. it. So let Karen explain the ins and outs of that. It's not just because you opened a business that you had to have those things. Um, sometimes it's a little premature and you don't want to be stuck paying a bunch of fees if you're not bringing in that income yet. So I just exactly. And what I tell up. people is they're basically the, the more income you have, or if you have like really significant personal assets that you need to protect. Those are good reasons to, you know, start to right away to, to incorporate or to form a limited liability company. The other piece is if you have, if you're in any sort of high liability industry. So if you're starting a baby products line or like a baby food line, absolutely. You need that limited liability. But what's really important for people to remember is slapping your entity on the secretary of state as an LLC or a corporation doesn't actually provide you that limited liability. If you're not operating by the formalities that are required of you legally, then what happens if you get in trouble is it's called piercing the corporate veil. And they basically say you are really just an individual operating under the guise of an entity and you're going to be personally liable anyway. So it's important that you budget those costs of working with an attorney and a CPA to make sure that you're doing all those formalities so that you're getting the benefit of the limited liability that the entities provide. Correct. And that was it because it is something that you will have to show again, that there's income coming in and that you are spending through it as well. You have to be actually creating credit on that account. So yes, there, you can Google all of this in advance, but, but (laughs) just know just by saying that you want that doesn't mean that it's the right step for you to take at this point in your business. So thank you, Karen. That's, it's really helpful. And I hope people really listen that there's, again, there's a step for each of us and it doesn't mean you can't grow into it. And hopefully your business will start booming and there'll be plenty of reasons to spend the money on it, but (laughs) it's not always um, advantageous to do it upfront. So awesome. I would also love to know if you have any special events, offers, or promotions coming up, because I want to make sure that they are aware that you have some goodies in your toolkit as well. I do. I'm offering your audience 20% off any of my entity formation packages, contracts, whatever you guys need. Uh, it's really important to get, to get it done and get it done. Right. Thank you. That's really, really generous of you. So guys, um, we will make sure that that code information is accessible through the show notes and that, um, you can also reach Karen. Um, actually Karen, how do you like to be reached? 
you can find me on my website. It's nyfl.law. It's NYFL is not your father's lawyer. You can find me on Instagram at not your father's lawyer. Very cute. In the LA area, there is a bar restaurant called Not um, Father's Office. And every time I hear Father's Office, I know. Every time I think of your business, I think of them like Father's They make a great burger. They do. If I ate beef, but yes, I've heard it's fantastic. (laughs) I've enjoyed the fries. Um, But yes, anyway, sorry. I I always think of that when I hear the name of your business, which I love. Um, Okay, so here's our final question for the day, Karen. Um, And this goes back to my old world in entertainment. Um, And this is truly just like right off the cuff, just whatever first comes to your mind. No, no, it's fun. I promise. (laughs) Who, which actress would play you in the story of your life? Oh, I hope Reese Witherspoon. I have a major girl crush on her. Love that one. That is fantastic. She's an awesome businesswoman. She is. She is. All right, Reese. We got, we got a story for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> that is fantastic. That is great. Thank you so much, Karen. I just want to, again, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your knowledge. And um, I'm excited to talk to you offline because I have some business for you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Ladies, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. I think we've learned a lot from Karen. I promise you this from other issues I've had with legal battles. Um, You always want to protect yourself in advance. You always want to, in a sense, put a cushion or a bubble around you. And it helps if you do these things prior to putting yourself out there in the universe to have people come back and question, you know, your policies or your terms. And just think about it. Every time you go online and you check that box that you accepted the terms and agreements of whatever app or web page you're on, that's the kind of thing that you need for yourself. <laughs> Nobody ever reads them, but if there's ever an issue, that's what helps and protects you from any type of legal issues later. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Please make sure to share your takeaways online and please tag me at The Confidence Crown so I know that you've been listening. And then I'd love for you to subscribe if you haven't already, leave a review, and then tell three friends because that way I know that you know that I know you've been listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.